0: Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and today I'm very excited to be bringing you uh, what I think is going to be one of the most interesting conversations that we've had so far. Uh, Today, I want to introduce you to one of my mentors, Dan Sullivan. Dan is the founder of Strategic Coach. He's coached over 18,000 entrepreneurs through his organization. Uh, He's written... 23 books, and, uh, and I think as you'll discover as we go through, uh, is truly a game changer in his industry. He's been coaching since uh, 1974, and uh, I have to tell you, um, I've had a lot of mentors over the years, I've invested a lot in coaching, um, and, uh, and Dan has probably had the largest impact of all of those. So I'm excited to be bringing him here to you today. So Dan Sullivan, welcome to The Unstoppable CEO.
1: Oh, thank you, uh, Steve, and both for your great introduction, but also just for uh, introducing me to your uh, community and to your network. So this is a, this is a real, uh, real gift, so I really appreciate it.
0: Well, I'm, I'm happy to do it. And to get us started, um, I know we t- briefly touched on uh, your, your background in, in the introduction, but if you could just take a moment and give everyone a little bit of context Form. Yeah, well, uh,
1: um, uh, so uh, within the next thirty days, I'll turn seventy-four. So I was born in uh, ju- just before D-Day in nineteen forty-four. Grew up as a farm boy in Ohio, um, and not any really any money in the family. So uh, had to educate myself, uh, put myself through university. Um, you know, in the sixties, uh, early seventies through. Um, Some contacts got a job in Toronto, Canada. I had already spent two years overseas with the U.S. Army during uh, Vietnam and uh, got a job in Toronto, moved there in 71 as a copywriter with BBDO, big uh, international ad agency in their Toronto headquarters and uh, spent three years um, writing copy for Um, Fairly big uh, corporations, but also a lot of small family owned businesses. And I got the idea, uh, um, doing the work with the small businesses that for small businesses, um, they were buying ads, but their problems generally weren't advertising problems, their problems were lack of focus lack of having a future that was bigger than their past and really not having a strategic plan. And I'm a pretty good strategic thinker. And more than that, I can actually ask people questions and then draw pictures, which kind of show, uh, you know, uh, what their own sense of the future is. And I just jumped out in 1974, three years in the agency, and then I was out into the deep end of the pool and two bankruptcies and a divorce later. I felt that I had proven that I had enough commitment to stay out there, and uh, met my uh, greatest partner in life, which is my wife, Babs, who's also, uh, she's the CEO, really the uh, chief executive officer for Strategic Coach. She runs the company, and I run what we call the program, which is actually the coaching workshops that we do, and we're pushing 3,000 business owners from around the world right now. We're uh, fast moving towards that and what we do is that the first step is just get people to create a self-managing company so that the entrepreneur owner can get freed up to grow the business not to be involved in you know um, totally uh, taken and taken up day by day just in the thick of the existing company but to be continually creating a company that will be bigger in the future and uh, more valuable, more profitable, and certainly more exciting for the entrepreneur. So that's that's what we've worked on for the past 44 years. And um, uh, I love it. Um, At 74, I'm more excited and I'm a lot more skillful than I was 20 years ago at 54.
0: Well, Dan, uh, there are a lot of things we could talk about. And if we had uh, the available time, we could probably spend days kind of dissecting all of the thinking that, that you've put into what it takes to be an entrepreneur, but there's one concept in particular that I know, um, is, I think timely right now. Um, and that's the idea of the game changer. And, yeah. um, I know you've got a new program by that name. You've been talking about that for, um, to my knowledge, at least a, a decade or two, this concept of the game changer. What does that mean to you?
1: Well, uh uh, the way I like to start things is just create a title and start uh, having conversation with people. And then uh, I have a, um, a particular thought that's right at the heart of Strategic Coach, and that is that our eyes only see and our ears only hear what our brain is looking for. So um, if you want to create something new, you have to, first of all, name the thing that you're trying to create, and then just talk to people about this idea that you have. And then you use the listeners as 50% partners in actually developing the idea. And my, my listeners are all people who own their own business. So I said, uh, um, if you look at your company, you say, uh, what part of it are you doing something that's really different from what everybody else is different? And that if you really focused your attention on developing value creation in this area, it would really change the game uh, for your marketplace, for your clients, and for the industry that you're in. And uh, so um, what I'm about to tell you is the results of a long period of R&D in the marketplace. And what we came up with, uh, and you'll appreciate this, Steve, that because of the marketing Capabilities that you bring to all your clients, and that is that um, the vast majority of entrepreneurs really don't have companies. They have created a job for themselves. You know, like uh, they used to work for some jerk who for forty hours a week, and now they work for some jerk for sixty hours a week. And this jerk comes home with them and looks at them in the mirror every every morning. And that is because they are really rugged individualists. And they don't trust other people, so they see employees as a cost to be minimized. And so the first part of our program, Strategic Coach, is to get the individual as an owner to stop being a rugged individualist and just focus on what he or she does extremely well and then continually expand capability and grow a company where you're hiring people who are actually better in all sorts of ways than you are and they um, understand much better how to actually take action, get results than you do. But you're very, very good at framing a bigger jump for the company. So you're the, per, you're the creator of the future for the company. And then you communicate really well. And after a while, you stop being a rugged individualist. You, and you see yourself as a very valuable, crucial team member in a teamwork uh, company. So... That can take year. You know, that can take six months. It can take a year. It can take five years. Whatever. But there's constant growth, and we work in ninety-day quarters, and so you're always measuring. But having said that, I've been coaching for forty-four years. I've gotten people who've really done the trick on that. Thousands of entrepreneurs who now have what I call self-managing companies, and but as they relate to other companies in the marketplace. They're also a rugged individualist as a company, and they see other companies as competitors, and so they keep their information secret. Uh, You know, they they really aren't good at collaborating with other companies. I mean, they will if they get paid, you know, as a vendor or something, but to actually create with another company something's bigger, they're very distrustful. And I said, the next jump for you is actually – just to take care of the company and keep making the company that you have more successful. But now what we want to do is we want you to think of going a hundred times. So if you took your last uh, year's gross, just gross revenues, just dollars in before EBITDA and everything else you're looking at, and you just take that number and multiply it by a hundred, immediately you're faced with the reality that you could not do that inside your company. But if you use the really unique capabilities of your company and join it up with somebody else who's very different in the marketplace, for example, someone who—and um, I'll just use you as example, Steve—that someone is really, really good and they've established a really great retail idea, a really great—you um, know—I um, can give an example: somebody who's created a really uh, an almost an automatic pub in South Carolina and um and it's sort of a pub where you serve yourself and it's done through an rfid bracelet you know and that you go in and you buy 32 ounces of beer and it's put on your bracelet and you can go around and serve yourself but he created this and because it was a love project you know he really was passionate about the project and what i said to him i said so what would it take to have a hundred of these across the united states and he said, geez, I wouldn't have the fog. He's and immediately he started saying, God, I'd have to hire a CEO at a, and I said, No, no, leave your present company alone. Don't don't do it that way. If you didn't do the how of creating the hundred pubs, and there was somebody else who had the capability of taking any retail idea and creating a hundred, um, what about that? And you're just responsible for R&D and taking it to the next level. But they have the skills to take it across the country. And all you had to do is do a deal with him. I mean, he wouldn't buy you, you wouldn't buy him, you wouldn't even create a new company, you would just have an agreement that you're going to develop, and you'll split the split the gains on it. And, um, you know, it should be the sort of person where a handshake's better than a lawyer. You know you handshake and they're excited because they can't go a hundred times. So it's two people who can't go a hundred times doing what they're doing. They would need, and uh, that's what's happened in this project, you know, and it's taken off. And, and so what I'm doing is I'm showing people how to go a hundred times without, without twisting your company uh, apart. And you're not doing any more than you're already doing. You're just adding your capability to another uh, another uh, company, and uh, it's uh, mind-blowing because you know people can get to their 50s and 60s and they're the top of their game in their business, but the growth potential re- it just means a lot of hard work. You know they're going to have to put longer, and they're just not up to it in their 50s and 60s. Okay, and that's when people start thinking about retirement. So I'm I'm offering an opportunity that you never have to retire, you just keep collaborating with companies. So somebody who's got a really good retail idea, but they don't have, it it really requires major marketing capabilities, and they don't have any marketing capabilities, they just do a collaboration with you, you want to go 100 times, they want to go 100 times. And you just see if there's a matchup that with their capabilities and your capabilities, maybe it's a technology company that you would partner up with and you would go um, and uh, once people start thinking in this terms, all of a sudden the marketplace becomes a friendly place rather than, you know, a place where people are trying to compete with you, undercut you, go around you Instead, you're just collaboration. I think this is the way of the world.
0: Well, what I, what I love about what that forces you to do. And, and uh, I first encountered this with the 10 times notion. Um, because most people don't think in terms of how do I go 10 times. Most people never think about how do I go 100 times. Mm-hmm. It forces you to stop because you can't get there the way you're currently organized.
1: Yeah. yeah. At
0: any level. And so you've got to think very, very differently about how to do it. It's a wonderful tool to, to really break through, I think.
1: Yeah. And the, and the thing about it is that every uh, successful entrepreneur that I've talked to can actually go back in their history and they can remember the day that they were 100th of where they are and then 110th of where they are. And I said, How were you operating uh, back then that survived the jump to 10 times? And I said, Well, we left 90% of the way we were doing it back there. Uh, you know, it didn't make the jump. I said, Yeah, but you did. And, you know, the talent did, relationships did. Uh, and everything else. So why would it be any different if you went 10 times into the future that not, probably 90% of The way you're operating right now wouldn't survive the jump, but nor should it you know that and that there's a lot better capabilities, but because you're tied down with your present capabilities You don't have any reason to actually let go of them But if you wanted to go 10 times or a hundred times you would and again, it comes back to that thing that if you're looking for 10 times and you're committed yourself to 10, all of a sudden your eyes and your ears start picking up on different information. Suddenly there are capabilities, there are opportunities, there are people who can really help you out with this. So I'm, I'm uh, totally against the whole notion of retirement for entrepreneurs. I'm totally for the uh, notion of retirement for government bureaucrats at the earliest possible age. Yeah, you know, I, I think mandatory retirement for government bureaucrats at age 40 should be uh, part of the constitution.
0: Not a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In fact, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, somebody that you probably know, uh, used to be in the program and uh, we talk about this idea of retirement all the time. He's in that business and uh, helps people get to that financially. Yeah. Uh, and... You know, our our conversation always comes back to this. If you're doing something that lights you up, that you're absolutely fascinated about, why would you ever want to stop? Yeah. I mean, I like playing golf and I like fishing and I like doing the things that retired people do, but they don't fascinate me.
1: Yeah. And I think part of the problem is that there's been a natural tendency, Steve, on a lot of part, is to only have friends more or less in your age group. And uh, so when you, uh, you know, you're really a successful entrepreneur, you're very excited about what you're doing. But when you look at who your friendship networks are, they're all more or less the same group. And a lot of them are not excited about what they're doing. They're not fascinated what they're doing. And they, you know, want to retire. And we need friends, you know, we need friends. So I've always encouraged entrepreneurs to have friends that are 20, 30 years older and have friends that are, you know, 20, 30 years younger and have a vertical friendship line rather than a a horizontal friendship. Because, um, you know, if your friends are dying, it looks like things are are declining. Okay. But if you're always acquiring new friends who have, uh, you know, real excitement about the future, that excitement supports you. And, um, you know, and so I, you know, I'm 74 and uh, I have projects that take me right to 99 right now. And uh, they're going to require far better skills than I have right now. I'm going to have to constantly grow because the means are available now from a medical and technological standpoint to actually rejuvenate, you know, the entire cell structure of your body. You can replace your stem cells with stem cells. From uh, what's called young blood stem cells, from natal, uh, from uh, umbilical cords, from placentas. I mean, these are now becoming available, and they're um, not—they're not genetically specific. Uh, uh, You know, in other words, that uh, you could get blood from a newborn baby. I mean, parents make these available, and they—you know—they can take uh, a little bit and they can make it multiply it by a million times. And this is going to be a big part. So what's happening right now is that the means are available to live healthily, and, you know, for a long, long time. But the vast majority of people are running out of friends, they're running out of money, and they're running out of purpose, and they don't have any game plan for living beyond the average.
0: Well, coming back around to this idea, you you laid out a 25-year time frame Yeah. from almost 74
1: to 99. 99, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, I, I think that's a that's a critical idea. Um, you talk about that as one of the five parts of of this game changer framework. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, with the first being take 100% responsibility, um, you know, transform your failures into success, go for what you want, not just what you need. You've got time. This, this is the 25 year framework, use a 25 yeah. year framework, make anything possible. Uh, be fascinated and motivated, not irritated. And, and the fifth is uh, that you have to simplify to multiply. Yeah. And the, we were talking about this idea of 100 times. Most people, when you introduce either the 10 times or the 100 times now concept, I find they go immediately to the 100 times. Is that, you know, that going to happen next month, next quarter? The time frame is too
1: close. Yeah.
0: And, and that makes it pressure and, and they, they believe that it's impossible.
1: Yeah. So I've been around, I've been around the, uh, you know, goal setting and I don't think that there are impossible goals, but I do think there are impossible timeframes. Okay. And so what I do is when I do something really big, you know, that really requires growth in our part, I said, I'll give myself 25 years for this because the growth is not going to be linear, linear. The growth is going to be, if you do the right things, Uh, it's 100 quarters. the, The reason I like 25 years so much, it's 100 quarters. And you only have to, it's like compound interest, you just have to make the right deposits each quarter, and then it starts compounding. And the type of investments would be teamwork and technology, basically, that every quarter, you're adding new human capability, and you're multiplying it with new technological capability, and it will become exponential. This is not a mystery how that actually happens uh you know you put the emphasis you have people just working where they're really great and then you just continually multiplying their greatness with technology and that's how the world develops right now and uh you know and um yeah and there's a lot of supporting evidence with this the opportunities are is there for people to really take advantage but the only question is does does the person who owns the company does that individual actually have a future that um, would uh, encourage that type of use of uh, human being, human teamwork and technology. So, um, you know, I mean, it's really interesting. I'm a, I'm a, um, uh, I, I just started a podcast series last week. So if you think you're overwhelmed now, you, you haven't seen anything yet, Steve. But I started one with a partner named Mark Young in Detroit, and we call it the American Checklist. And it's the eight mindsets you have to be if you're going to be a happy American. And I, I've i I've lived in outside the United States actually for two-thirds of my life because my headquarters is actually in Toronto, but I, the big market for us is the United States. And I was just pointing out a fact that the people who started the country, uh, you know, the United States knew they were doing something really big and they lived a long time. So... With the exception of uh, Hamilton, who got killed in a duel, uh, all, you know, the recognizable founders, uh, and that would be Franklin, Washington, Adams, Madison, Jefferson, uh, and actually James Monroe, who was actually, a he isn't as famous, but he was a crucial figure. Um, they, they lived into their 80s and 90s when the average lifespan was, in you know, maybe 40, 35 or 40. And actually the uh, second, third, fourth and fifth, that would be Adams, Jefferson, Madison and Monroe, all died within six days of each other, almost exactly on the 50th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. Three of them, Monroe, Adams and Jefferson died on July 4th, uh, 1826, and Madison died six days before. He was a bit of a slacker. And, uh, you know, uh, he's a little. All the
0: way.
1: He was a little guy, you know, he was five foot two, and I think he might have weighed a 100 pounds, but he, I mean, he's the architect of the of the system. He put together all the checks and balances. But the reason why they lived so long is they knew they were doing something great. They were doing something that had never done before. And my feeling it was just their desire to see what it looked like after 50 years that kept them going. And they got to the 50th anniversary and they all just died. And they said, okay, we've seen it. It's lasted for 50 years. And, uh, you know, you can see people look at Warren Buffett, he's 90, you know, and um, and, uh, so many great people um, who are doing great things and are keeping themselves intellectually engaged and motivated and are taking on bigger projects, new ideas. That sends messages to their body to keep living, you know the the body takes the body will only last as long as your mind thinks it should,
0: yeah, I believe that um wholeheartedly, and uh you know we see uh, you see the statistics, and I read it somewhere about a decade ago that the number one cause of death for American men was retirement oh yeah uh, and i and I think it more than anything, it's lack of, of a mission, you know, uh, when you when you lack that mission that you're going on, uh, why bother getting up in the morning?
1: Yeah. Know? And the other thing, men are more career specific in terms of what their networks look like than uh, than women. I mean, uh, you know, statistically, I, I, I think it's at least three years difference between, you know, and that you're taking everybody here. But women uh, live longer than men. And I think the reason is that, uh, uh, retirement doesn't have the same meaning for a woman, for the most part, because they have a lot of different, more dimensions in their life than men do. But men who are very, very career specific, and I just defined retirement for entrepreneurs. I just wrote it for the first time on a whiteboard, and I said, a "Retirement for entrepreneurs is a sudden and permanent loss of personal and organizational capabilities." I love that that's yeah, that's awesome. yeah, the day after you quit, uh, you're no longer a hero, and all the applause starts and um, you may not know that you really valued that before you retired, but I have to tell you it's really missing the day after you retire
0: yeah and uh, and and I've seen that with uh, with some of the entrepreneurs i've I've known that have retired now as we're recording this. Uh, you shared with me that you just uh, have, have had your first Game Changer mm-hmm. workshop and talked through some of these concepts with, uh, with the folks in that workshop. I, I'd like to get um, just a sense for uh, what, you, what you learned from that. And, uh, and I'd also like to talk a little bit, um, if we can, about, um, about pricing because you've done something amazing with pricing over the course of your career. And I think it would blow most people's minds.
1: Yeah, well, I answered the first one, you know, uh, the Game Changer is a radically different model. So pretty well, all the levels of uh, coach since we've started, the the first level is called the signature program where you're uh, designing and creating the self-managing company, you know, so you're moving from that, um, you know, radical individualism to actually being, uh, it's a teamwork. And then the next program is, is 10 times, and I'll take that self-managing company 10 times because um, it's just a matter now of expanding the teamwork out to be more valuable in the marketplace. And then um, there comes a point where you realize that just because of the industry you're in, the market you're in, you're probably not going to go too much beyond uh, the 10 times where you've gotten without it becoming complicated again for you. Okay. And you're going to have to start doing work that you don't like anymore. Or you're going to have to give up uh, control of the company to investors or anything like that. And, um, you know, for a lot of entrepreneurs, they don't like that. They, they just don't uh, like that feeling. And you spend your time in endless meetings and lawyers are starting to control. Yeah. Yeah. I should say, I've got a lot of really great lawyers in the program, so I'm not knocking them, but, uh, Everybody's own lawyer is great, but other lawyers are not Always. so great. It's like politicians. Everybody likes their own congressman, but they hate Congress, you know? <laughs> so uh, um, the, um, the the whole point here, and that's where I introduced this notion, well, why don't you just consider your company as a discrete capability that can link up with another capability in the marketplace, and these two capabilities can actually go 100 times. Okay, and, um, but what I do is I have a common model. So everybody has their own business model with the capability company, but as far as the collaboration goes, I have a single model on how it's an eight step process and how you create collaboration and take it a hundred times. So everybody in the room is working on this single same collaboration model, but they're doing it in an entirely different industry and so there's this fascination on the part of everybody. I wonder how this person's doing it in the music business. This person's doing it in the, in the, you know, in the pub business or the hospitality. This other person you know, is doing it in the manufacturing industry. Another one is doing it in the high-tech industry. Another one's doing it in the healthcare industry. And, but they're exactly doing it in the same way. And so everybody in the room becomes a coach to everyone else in the room. Okay, so it's actually the easiest coaching job I've ever done in 44 years because all I'm doing is setting up so that the the game changers can coach the game changers and they can pick pick each other's brains. And then you know the tool, the strategy circle. So I set the whole program up in a master strategy circle where I said uh, one year from now, Uh, These are the five rewards you're gonna get from being in this process. And what I want you to tell me now is all the reasons why you can't get those five rewards. And those are the obstacles for the strategy circle. And then we got actually about 12 from the first workshop. And I said, thank you very much. You've given me all the raw material for creating the next level of the program. So actually this is uh, is gonna be wonderful for me for the next 25 years. But here's the, thi- here's the thing, Steve, immediately when I see where I, I, I know the top of the hill that I want to get everybody to. And and now I can go right back to the very first workshop, the first level and, and say, I want to, you know, I was a Boy Scout. And when the first day I was a Boy Scout, they gave me the handbook for boys. This is in 1954. And the first thing they said, you're a tenderfoot. We want to show you what Eagle Scout looks like. And these are all the things you have to do to get to Eagle Scout. And I can now do that for entrepreneurs, right from being a rugged individualist to being a full-fledged global uh, game changer. And so I've created, uh, you know, I, I, I have to tell you, the last 10 days, been 10 days have just been the most relaxing, most uh, enjoyable days that I've had in 44 years of coaching. And I said, I know where the top of the hill is. I know where the top of the mountain is and I know the complete path that any entrepreneur can go through to get to the top of the mountain if they give themselves 25 years. You know, I'm listening to you and, um, I always
0: like to to listen to uh you know this,
1: con- is, a sa- yeah. this is a sales job i'm doing on you steve yeah you know i know you are
0: and uh, and that's what i that's what i'm listening to I, I always love the content but i'm also watching what you're doing and and <laughs> and uh, for everybody who didn't pick up on that is uh dan dan just laid out why someone would stay in the strategic coach for 25 years yeah and well he told you exactly well- how he's going to do it to you too
1: well, not only that, you know, I just asked you the question, you know, what, uh, are you going to do something with your next 25 years anyway? I can make it really interesting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and with that, I want to just touch on one thing, because yeah. this whole idea of, of of having this 25-year mindset and this, this 10 times or 100 times now uh, vision, uh, for a lot of people who are, you know, at a, a point in business, maybe they can't quite see that far. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's really easy to discount when you hear somebody talk about that. Oh, that's just that, that expert guy, that guru guy saying that, um, you've actually experienced that Mm -hmm. from what I know of the history of, of strategic coach and where you started and and what I know about the game changer program from a vision perspective, from a pricing perspective, from a, a scale and the number of clients that you're, you're, reaching and impacting, uh, you're living that. So this isn't just some concept that you've thought of, but you've actually put it into practice. Can you talk just for a minute before we wrap up about how that's evolved over time?
1: Yeah, well, the first thing, uh, you know, and it took me a long time, uh, really, you know, uh, to get a handle on how you price things in the marketplace, you know, and the big mistake uh, that I think that I made, then I would say that I'm not unusual in this. I uh, compared myself with what other people were charging. Okay, and you say, well, you want to keep your uh, pricing uh, competitive, but actually, um, that's looking at it that as everyone else as a competitor. And the other thing is that. Um, what I perceived is that something you can price what people are willing to pay. Okay. And I'll give you an example. Um, um, and it has to, I'm a sports nut. And, um, so there was a contract a couple of years ago where a guy, um, and, um, in baseball signed a seven year contract for 210 million. So basically 30 million. And, um, I, you know, I was just talking about this in one of the workshops and they said, uh, no ball player is worth $30 million a year. And I said, well, of course he is. He said, somebody him, wrote him the check that proves he's worth it. And they said, yeah, but he can't possibly, you know, he can't possibly. And I said, it has nothing to do with that. Uh, the ball, the, the uh, People who own professional baseball players have a ratio between how much they can pay their players and what the value of their franchise is if they were to sell the franchise. And the ratio in 2018 is exactly what the ratio was in 1954 when I started watching baseball. There's no difference in the ratio between payroll and value of ball club in that space. So I said, they know, they're not thinking about, they're thinking that this investment in $210 million is actually a way of taking the value of their baseball club up. So, um, so, and if you understand that pricing is strictly psychological, and it's the value that someone would see that if I pay this amount of money, what kind of ROI am I going to get? And if you can show that one, you have a unique value creation proposition that they can't get anywhere else, and that uh, you can connect that to their biggest dreams for themselves, there, there's enormous elasticity, okay? The only question is, as an entrepreneur, do you have the courage to quote the price? I said, you know, when you're thinking about asking for a price and you're scared, between you and the customer or the prospect, you're the only one scared because they don't know what you're gonna ask. So this is strictly, so I say, here's what you should do. This is called uh, Sullivan's pricing formula. Uh, You ask um, for a price that really scares you. The first thing is, if you're asking for someone to write a check and it doesn't scare you, um, you're probably just uh, reinforcing the past. But if you say, uh, I've never, so for example, the top program we just started was 50,000, you know, it was 50,000 and, um, it's for four days a year for 50,000. Well, when I started in 1989, my very first workshop, it was $1,500 for the year. Okay. And I had six people in the room and it was $9,000 and I thought I had died and gone to heaven. It was most kind of money I had ever made. And so uh, now, one of my one sign up for my newest program at fifty thousand. Remember, these are American dollars, and we re- repatri- repatriate most of them back to Canada. So uh, it's actually worth about sixty five thousand dollars to us. <laughs> and uh, people say, D- "Doesn't Canada have high taxes?" I said, "Just make all your money in the U.S. and bring it back to Canada. It takes care of the ta- taxation." But the thing that I said that each one of my signups for my new program, and I had 33 in the first workshop was seven times more than that first workshop for the whole year. And I've got 32 others. Now I've taken about, uh, you know, I've taken about 20 pricing steps between that first one and the other one. So part of entrepreneurs to grow, they always got to be asking periodically for a price that's higher than they've ever asked before so that they're scared because it scares them out of their uh, complacency. It scares you out of your comfort zone. And to really make it stick, you, it's, it, the price scares you plus 20%. And people say, well, it scares me. Why am I adding the 20%? And I says, because if you quote them and they don't blink, you're going to kick yourself if you didn't ask for more. And the 20% t- uh, keeps you from kicking yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my philosophy. And everyone, I said, there is no set price for anything on the planet.
0: No. Um, and and there's abundant evidence of that all around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we like business owners love to ignore it. Uh, We get clients all the time and we're talking with them about pricing and uh, often that's the easiest lever to pull to to increase revenue because it's instant, right? And it's not complicated to do. You just change the number on the invoice. Uh,
1: Well, the other thing is that uh, Walmart and Amazon have done a great favor to all entrepreneurs because if you're competing on price, you can't do it. Uh, Walmart and Amazon have guaranteed that nobody on the planet can compete on price. You cannot do it at a lower price than Amazon or Walmart. So it's taken that option. So you better go the other direction and just start valuing yourself and charging higher.
0: That's right, because the middle is death.
1: Yeah, the middle is death. I call it Death Valley. That's right. Yeah.
0: Well, Dan Sullivan, thank you very much for investing some time with us. um, Can I ask
1: you a question, Steve? Yes, sir this is the first time we've actually chatted, uh, personally, but just in the course of our conversation, are there some new thoughts that are coming out of, uh, you know, I mean, you're looking at it for your own business. You're looking at, so is, uh, I always like to know what people have learned from a conversation.
0: You know, I heard you mention the hundred times concept about two weeks ago on a podcast. And I don't recall, it it may have been, uh, the procrastination.
1: It would have been Shannon Waller. Could could have been,
0: um, and uh and it's been kicking around my brain a little bit but talking about it here uh beginning to imagine what that would take yeah um,
1: I, I don't have any idea yeah but it's not about you doing a new how it's about you meeting a new who already knows how to do the how you know i mean that's the difference is that uh the probably you've reached the upper limit of you uh, growing through doing more how, and now you have to switch over to another gear is who. You know, billionaires don't do how, billionaires do who. Uh,
0: yeah, and I think that's uh, that's probably, if we wanted to boil this entire conversation into how to go forward, that's, the for me, the thinking process of how yeah. to go forward.
1: Yeah, and I'm giving you 25 years, so I don't expect your application on Monday, but, uh, you know, you got that. Uh, but here, here's the question. Given that you are understanding the model and you're going to get more evidence for the model, can you see at a certain point you might want to be in a room where everybody's a game changer?
0: I I think, uh, without a doubt, uh, who you're around will determine where you end up. Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, throughout my business career, I've always found that Whoever is in that room um, is important and you got to pay attention to it. If the wrong people are in there, you've got a big problem. Um, But if you're around the right people, they're going to take your thinking up to the level that it needs to be to get to where you want to go. Well, and also
1: they're going to be providing you all sorts of shortcuts and bypasses and resources. Absolutely. Capabilities that you don't have to reinvent the wheel.
0: Well, and, and coming back to this idea of who, Um, if you're around the right people, they know the who's.
1: Yep. Yeah. And then you can get, uh, you know, I mean, the model is developing very quickly because it doesn't require how it requires who. And after a while, who's can multiply who's, you know, I mean, uh, you know, and you know, how do billionaires get to be billionaires? I mean, uh, they, they know, you know, that it's not about their how, I mean, Steve Jobs was not a great technologist. I mean, But Steve Jobs had a tremendous nose for talent that would produce a unique brand, uh, you know, a unique technology, and he just kept multiplying who's with who's. And my sense is that we live in a world now, uh, technologically and from a communication standpoint, where that's available for anyone who has a goal to uh, go big without being the person who does the how. And I have to tell you, uh, this has been a marvelous uh, conversation for me because this is the first time that I've actually taken my experience from this new workshop that I'm doing and actually applied it to explaining the Strategic Coach program from start to finish. And uh, so I'm very, I'm just enormously thankful that you gave me the opportunity uh, to um, actually uh, tell you about it, but tell uh, your you know, your network about it. So I'm very excited about this. I mean, this, um, I've not been more excited in my first 44 years of coaching than I am right now. So this is really, this is really terrific.
0: Well, this has been fun. It's a fantastic investment of time this afternoon. And uh, your team told me that uh, you very generously are making available to all of our audience, one of your books, the Mm self-managing company book. Yes. Um, and what we're going to do is for folks that want to get that, and I highly recommend it. I've read it. Uh, if you don't know, uh, Dan is writing a a book, a quarter, um, and he's written, uh, are you on nine or 10?
1: I'm working out today, this morning, I was working on number 14 and okay. I'm behind. Yeah. Uh,
0: But, uh, they're fantastic books. They're, uh, I call them plane ride books. Um, every time I get one, then I, they're on the next plane with me and uh, take about an hour to read but uh, for for a book that you can get through that quickly uh, the clarity that you'll get out of it is fantastic and, and this is a great place to start so uh, what i want you to do is, is go to uh, unstoppableceo.net uh, slash podcast where you'll find this interview and there we'll have a link uh, to where you can go and, and request that book from the strategic coach and dan thanks for uh, providing that for all, all of our listeners
1: it's a great pleasure, Steve, and uh, I would welcome a future invitation.
0: Yeah, it'll be fun. Look forward to connecting again. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.